Remember the first time you saw a race car on an open trailer? Maybe it was full of dirt, tire marks, and other battle scars. You wondered where it had been, and more importantly, where it was going next. Every open trailer has a story, and we're here to tell it. Welcome to the Open Trailer Podcast. Got a real treat for you this time out. Central Maine's Dave Darvo. Dave is not only a Maine Motorsport Hall of Famer, he's also a New England Auto Racing Hall of Famer. On this little road trip, I was very fortunate to have Hall of Famer Pete Silva and Steve Pellerin along for the ride. We sat in Dave's kitchen with his wife, Rita, and man, Dave is a sharp character. We get into the early days of Unity, the night he met Rita, which is an amazing story. And we'll start off by discussing where Dave came from. And I think as fans, we sit in the stands and we we never really think about where they got their start. And I don't necessarily mean racing. I mean where they got their start in life and what made them want to even be a racer. At some point, we all had day number one. Thank you for hitting up MainVintageRace.org and becoming a member just since the podcast began. We've had a number of people sign up, and your contribution, your membership allows us to do what we do, which is preserve the history of racing in Maine, and that includes the artifacts. It costs us well over $3,000 a year just to store it properly. There's also our mobile museum and the upkeep with that. Every little bit helps, and we do appreciate it. You can support this podcast directly by going to patreon.com slash opentrailerpodcast and becoming a Patreon member. There are a number of different tiers, and I appreciate everybody for checking that out as well. So let's get into it. Stage number one with Dave Darvo on the Open Trailer Podcast. You're a, a racing pioneer. Did you come from a racing family? No. How did you grow up? Right around here. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you grew up in, in central Maine? Yes. What first infatuated you about race cars? I went out to Windsor Fair in Watson. And I had a brother that was pretty smart, Rudy. And he kind of helped me along there. And get going pretty good after a while. Quite a while. <laughs> so that would have been when you were running Chrysler Spitfire motors in the Mopar Coupes. Right. Probably the late 50s? Yeah, I don't know, early 50s, late 50s. And I remember you then. I was probably 10 or 12, sitting in the bleachers, way too young to come in the pits. And something that intrigued me about you and Rudy at that time, and I thought nobody, I, I don't even know where you came up with it. You set the seat sideways in the middle of the car at an angle. Yeah, for comfort. And the steering wheel, and the seats were made out of 15-gallon oil drums trimmed down with cushions in it. I think the thing that was so forward-thinking about that, now that time's gone by, it's incredibly impressive, is I think you did it to see the corner before you got to it. Yeah. Can you even remember where that came from? What made you think of that? I don't know. It seemed like the head was overturned. Absolutely. Yeah, and I just set the seat so I could see right across, like, number one and number, number two. Were, you had a good view of it. I think, as I said, now that time's gone by and you look back 60 or 70 years, for you to think of that and do that at that time is just incredible. 
It, it was comfortable. You didn't keep your head going. You just you made a seat of your own with that fifteen gallon can. Yeah, and that was good. Did you come up with that? Yeah, yeah. How yeah, did you good. How did you come up with that idea? The fitting of it. Did you sit in an oiled drum and say this could be a good race car seat? Yeah, like you yeah. did. Well, I yeah. cut I cut it out, found it all. It didn't have no wiggle, no nothing. It just was there. It was just good. It was, but it was a good treat. In 1952, you start racing at the age of 16. You remember your first race car? Yeah, it was a Ford. Mm. I don't remember a lot about it, but... You won the very first heat you were ever in. I was scared. (laughs) Tell me about that race. You bought the car. Do you remember how much you paid for it? 75, I think. 75 bucks for, for your first race car. You get in it, and a lot of people on the show are like, yeah, I stunk when I first started. Not you. You won. Yeah, but that was the last time I won for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, how, what was it about that race? I don't know which Matt race. Yeah, yeah, I done it though. <laughs> so Matt Tilson tells you what to do behind the wheel. Are you just well, scared out of your wits? Or? Just, and, uh, then I get good enough to get up to him. And I come right up, right in the three and four to it, and boom! You hit him or he hit you? Yeah, he did. <laughs> you, you, you bumped and run him your first race? Yeah, well, uh, I don't know if it was first race or not. He gave me hell. He hit your friend, play. right? Yeah. Yeah. Did he, he give you any advice after that? Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that again. <laughs> no. Did you guys tow the cars to the track, or did you drive them, or how did you get your race cars there back in the day? Haul them with a tow bar. And that wasn't good either. So if, if you crashed hard, you, you ended up leaving the car there? Yeah, if you tow bar them, yes. Do you remember your first big crash? I can remember it faintly. I think he hit me. <laughs> Pete or his dad? I am still waiting to get even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus. So where was that first race? Was it Unity? Unity. And uh, then you decided to travel a little bit, too. And uh, I got brave, the foolish. So you'd, you'd heard about other racetracks in Maine, and you decided to, to go out to Beechridge? Yeah, Beechridge was, I think, the last one that I dared to hook onto, because the boys down there pretty snappy. Had you been to the track to watch them race? Yeah, yeah, I liked the track, and I liked, you know, some of the people. Then I get to know more, and Chris, mm. you can't help them like the Libby boys and stuff, Chris. They was always willing to help, or I was helping them. I don't know which. Did you yeah. not build motors for them at one time? Yeah. Yeah. I was, didn't know that. Yeah. And geez, I hate to build motors for a guy you're running against. Because you, right. you, you do as good as you can, mm. but you feel like hell when you beat them in a power strain, you know. Well, why don't you build my motor like that? But they never did say that. Phil and Bob was good boys. Dave, I remember one time you talking about how the junk pile out back was a big sponsor for you. Yeah, yeah. A lot of mornings after the races, you'd be out back in the junk pile. Picking it over. Picking it over <laughs> to see what you could do. You mentioned to me a while back about you made a weight jacker for your car out of a boat motor. Yeah. Do you remember that story? <clears throat> yeah. Can you tell a little bit about that? Not much. <laughs> Not much, because everything I did was on the spur of the moment. Just like all of us, we need something. We're going to junk pound fabricate it, you know. You know, you mentioned Windsor Fairgrounds. Yeah. Did you you raced over there? I went up there to run my first race. Otis Perry was driving the number nine. Right. And then he didn't show up. What happened to him that night? I don't know. I guess it was a family deal. But you 
I drove the nine car. I can't remember if I won or got second. I can't remember. You got second place on that one. You were okay. top two. Yeah. How many cars were racing at that time? I don't know. Mm. But it seemed like there's too many. <laughs> <laughs> were you starting up front? Um, did you have to pass a lot of cars to get there? I think I started up front the first time. Mm. And after that, it seemed to get longer and longer. And longer. They were like, well, this guy's good. We're going to start him out back. Yeah. Yeah, back in those days, at least at Unity, it was a half-mile track. Yes. And it'd be nothing to start 30 cars. Mm. Yeah, that's true. There were a lot of cars to pass. And yeah. You stop and think about it. Half-mile track to start out on, even though they were smaller motors and less powerful. Good-sized track. But the, the worst part of that track was those big maple trees. Well, what, maple trees? In yeah, the... big old yeah. maple trees. I guess they were maple. And they sat right on the edge of the track. Yeah, just like, big. You know. So they would just like so it would look good. No, they just cut the track the in the middle move. of it. Left the trees there. Yeah. <laughs> so to paint the picture, they made the racetrack. Didn't chop down all the trees. No, no, no. Well, no. you had to be careful going down there. You don't mind hitting another car, but you hit the, the trees. Were the trees on the outside in the embankment Out, all the way around? Outside. Yes, they were on the outside. Finally, they started putting more dirt banks. Yeah. God, that when somebody missed the corner, that was like a ramp into the trees. Oh yeah. Mm. Did you ever yeah, take that really, take that really ramp good. out there? Oh yeah, I tried that. Mm. I wasn't good at it. <laughs> no one's really good at crashing. Everybody takes a few flyers. Yeah. So yeah. you get your feet wet, and we're talking 1955 now. And when I say uh, 1938 Dodge Coupe, what is what comes to mind when I say that? Oh, it was a four spring car over your Ford two springs. And it seemed like you could get the suspension a little better. And was Unity dirt at this point? Yes, it was. Yep. He and Rudy both ran one of those cars. Right. I think it was eight and nine. Yeah, yeah. They were flatheads. Were those yeah. Spitfires? Were yeah, they called they Spitfires, flathead. Steve, back then? Yeah, they were Spitfires, and, they, and both cars looked alike, if yes. I remember right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, in fact, they're just the same. Uh, but you win you win 10 races in that year, 1955. Yeah. Uh, what was it about that year where you just kind of started figuring things out? Was it was it the Springs? Was it your driver prowess? Or? Uh, watching. Mm. Walking up down the pit and just look at cars. And that's where I picked it mostly all up from. You know, everyone, when they start racing, when they start to have success, they look at a, a driver that they say, okay, if I beat that driver, then I'm here. Who are yeah. the guys that you were really running with? Jesus Christ, I don't know. Obviously, George was still around then. Yeah. Yeah. Peace out. You had Sonny Ellis, Keith yeah. Fuller, Matt Chilson, yeah, Blackie yeah. Hillard. Yeah. Uh, you had some pretty tough people at the time. <clears throat> yeah. Harold Wilcox. Yeah. There were quite a, a lineup of people back then. They wouldn't give it to you. No. As Andy would say, to paint the picture, mm. 1955 here. So we've been into it for three years now, Pete. 1955, he wins 14 out of 21 events in his first track title. 19 years old. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You've been fooling him all these years, Dave. Yeah, I guess it was. <laughs> What were you doing when you weren't racing? What, what did you have for? Did you have a job at this point? Yeah, I, I was a mechanic for Leo Small, the nine car. Uh, Smalley's gas station. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and he had uh, Otis. Otis Perry mm -hmm. come up and drive. So you were working there, and all yep. of a sudden you out, and, and Steve said your amazing stats there. You won like 14 races. Yeah. You win a track championship when you're 19. 
I, I, I don't know. But from 1955 to 1963, you win seven of these things. Seven track championships. What were the crowds like back then? I don't know. I didn't pay much attention to them. No, you go out, and the way the track was set, you kind of went around the crowd that was sitting in the bleachers, and you hear some boo and some hooray, and, and you just didn't pay no attention Mostly booze, right? Yeah, I was going to say, like, if a guy, if I'm, you know, for my entertainment dollar, if the same person's winning every week and I'm not a big fan, I'm going to boo you. Yes. Yeah. But you yeah. didn't care. No, I just had to raise that cap and try to keep everybody all uh, people like him that don't give you no room. Oh, people yeah, let you point into Pete Silva, by the way. That's kind of a consistency. The, the crowds, I don't know if the crowd ever really got down on him too much. I just, I, mm. I'm not sure why, but they seem to like him pretty good. Well, maybe. <laughs> Even when he was winning. Uh, probably how we went about it. He wasn't, uh, didn't push and shove a lot. Wasn't overly aggressive as far as running over people. I think that clean. I think that probably went a long ways well, with the crowd accepting him <laughs> until he got a little older. Well, I, myself and the neighborhood kids, we were a fan. We're fans at a young age. Him and uh, another guy that I put in his category as far as intellect, doing a lot without a lot of money. Him and Albert Robinson. Yeah, we spent a lot of time going to see Albert and we put Dave in that same category they both yeah. I think the crowd always liked Dave no matter what was going on it seemed like you're a bit of a daredevil because uh, no. can you tell me about ramp racing oh yeah that was just something foolish that we did point of reason hell I guess yeah that made the crowd go nuts yeah We've done it two-wheeled, and we've done it four-wheeled. So it's you and Blackie Hillard. Uh, are you the only drivers that are doing this, or is this something that everybody does? No, it's just three or four of us. Mm. So know. on Pete's episode, he talked a lot about um, the promotion in the early days of Unity. Uh, was this a product of that, do you think? Well, yeah, I think this was uh, Bob's father, Ed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he was a... Listen, he had a con ran a carnival for part of the year, so he was just <clears throat> any kind of promotion that would excite the crowd. And I'm sure he made a deal with whoever was out there in the cars they were racing to do the ramp race. So I'm sure he, it might have been five dollars even back in those days. Yeah, but it was like probably you know, something. You paid. Yeah, you got five bucks for it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was something you daring. And I know one time I went up and I had to make front spring for the for the track. And then, poof, mm. he'd give me a hard boost up that way, and I landed around my side. So you went up, not with the left side, you went up oh, on a ramp oh, with the right side where the stiffer spring was? Yeah, but yeah. I went all four. Yeah, wow. And that stiffer spring just yeah. kicked me right up and landed around my side. So I did try that again. <laughs> what was the, the key to getting around Unity so well in those days? I don't know. I guess it was a short suspension or freer suspension. Yeah, because it would absorb the, the impact yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, because there's always a hole going into one. You either straddle it or hit it. Where was it? Was it down on the inside? or was Down it... on the inside pretty well. I have another picture here, and thanks again to Rita for, uh, I mean, just the way that she's put all this stuff together uh, and documented all this. So I'm looking at this photo from July 4th, 1959. What are some of the races that, that stood out to you in those days? Oh, I don't know if anything stood out. How many times did you leave the racetrack uh, unhappy? Uh, Oxford. Oh, really? Okay, so yeah. not, not at Unity, but when you went to Oxford, things didn't work out so well. 
No, I got all stroked to hell. Yeah. And I was on a tow by, and I towed it as far as Lewiston, or Auburn, I don't know which. And I had to push the car off the field. No one came and picked it up? No. No. Never touched it. <laughs> Those were different days. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and there wasn't no turnpike all the way up here then. Right. I don't think. It was all back roads. Yeah. Oh, really? So you wouldn't just get on 95 and go down? Yeah. No. 95 wasn't built till like around 73, 74. Up here? Up here. Yeah. Mm. How far did the turnpike go when they, because I know they built it in 47, but it was just southern Maine. Correct. Yeah, like he said, it was probably in the 70s before it came up through here or oh, late yeah. 60s. Mm. Yeah, there's no, no turnpike. So what would you do? Just you get on Route 1, well, you go down to Rockland and get on Route 1? or <clears throat> No. the hell is it? 201? Two or one, I guess, mm. down Musterway, and then you cut across country. Wow. Yeah. All back roads. That picture you just showed, you said that was 1959. Okay, you had another picture. To me, the eight car right there with the black stripe down the side of it at an angle. And the next time I saw that paint job, it had White and Bradstreet on it. That's right. So to me, that's an iconic paint job for that era because anybody that had either had one solid color or anybody that was two-toned, my father's car, the bottom black and the top white, but the colors were separated by the body line. Yeah. You went in a totally different direction by yourself and had that sloping black. I didn't have no nobody to hold the other side the tape for me. No, but <laughs> that... I think paint jobs are iconic as far as history goes, and yeah. I think that's one with the white yeah. Bradstreet yeah, on it. Yeah, that's the same paint job, really. I remember that from an early, early on. Deal. I don't know why I ended up with that paint job. It just, I just looked and, I don't know, took a piece of tape and went this way and that way. And Hey, so I'm going to throw out a couple of names, um, and, and if you can tell me what, that, what they meant to you. Al Robinson. A good guy. You know, he reached... Once in a while, you get a little close to paint, but, you know, on the average, good guy. Yeah. Bill Carlton. The, not the last time I see him, but a few times that later in the middle of the season, mm. we get into a tiff, you know. And, geez, he get me mad, and he started to run off, and I run after him. You run out on the road, run down the Unity Road. Was that on foot, or were you in cars? Huh? Were you in your race cars, or were you on no, foot? No, on foot. <laughs> I didn't catch him. <laughs> but I was calling him all kinds of names when I was. Come back, hey, you bastard, I'll kill you. <laughs> wow. Edit. <laughs> no, that's fine. The, sta the statue of limitation has passed. <laughs> um, and, you know, one of the keys of the success of Unity in those days, uh, Ed and Bob Knowles, uh, what did they mean to you? Ed was all right, you know, but he always come down almost every race. Climb up on that ladder in the pits there. Boys, we didn't get a very good crowd today because this was early. Mm -hmm. Nobody in the stands. We didn't get a very good crowd today, so we'll have to work for, race for $10, right? Well, that was a race where my father was there. He told me that story, and it would be $5. He said, I'm going to give you all $5. Well, There's nobody in the crowd, and it's looking the clouds are looking a little gray today. Yeah. Yeah, so he would basically make that call every race? Every Often. race, a little cloud went by. <laughs> oh boy, you're going to ruin today. An extra cloud meant an extra $5. Yeah. How about Rudy Rudy Karen? That wasn't my brother-in-law. He was good. He was stubborn. If I went to go by him, 
I was having a hell of a job because he wouldn't give me no more room than I needed, you know. And one day I said, I'm going to noise. And I went and I just ticked him on the corner of his bumper and he went off in two, went on the old track. And there was a pat that was out there for packing cars and he packed it there and got out and looked at me and shook his finger. You used to tell me how smart he was and what a great mechanic he was. He was. He was. He, he would make stuff that was working, but he'd make it work better. There wasn't any speed shops, Dave, that you could go to, so you just made your own parts. Yeah, most of them, yeah. Yeah, you figured out what you needed. You went yeah. out back, dug around, and put something together. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was yes. all handmade. We all did that. I think Meserve was probably the first one that started to get out of that. Then he'd step up for a few notches. Well, he definitely raised the bar, especially when he came back. Yeah. I mean, he was good in the Ford, but when he switched to the 65 Chevelle with the sponsorship from Strong Chevrolet, yeah. just... Yeah, number one car. That car and then, of course, Ralph's kit car raised the bar for all of us. Yeah. And we thought we had to buy everything. You know, we've talked about Unity quite a bit. You've gone down to Beach Ridge. Um, you've you've had not exactly the best experience with Oxford. But let's cover Wiscasset, which came to fruition in the late 60s. Were you there a part of the early years? That would have been in the 66 Chevelle. Going back to what he said about Beach Ridge. You did the dirt on Unity, then Unity went asphalt, and you built that six-cylinder coupe. Yeah. Really nice-looking White and Bradstreet yeah. coupe. In the accident we were talking about earlier, I remember that like yesterday. You'd won six, the first six races of the season in a row. Obviously, you had to start in the back. Yeah. You were going by everybody on the outside and caught somebody's right front tire. Oh, no, yeah. And you just started flipping the whole length of the straightaway <laughs> in that coupe. I, I don't know. I, I forget all that stuff. Because in an accident, they say, what do you remember? That you was going somewhere you didn't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen footage of that accident? Is there footage of him flipping? end over end down I've never seen it I don't know if anybody took a picture obviously there weren't any cell phones around where everybody would have been clicking it but you hadn't lost the race to that point I had a lot of lucky days how much was it luck versus how good did you have to be well I can't really answer that because I don't know how good or bad I was Hmm. I was just doing my thing I guess if you see a hole on the inside try to get into it you know and there was no smartness of mind. It was just, you fall into, it's just like on the road, you get behind somebody and you're dubbing, you can whip up and go by it. That was about the same thing, I guess. When you traveled to these other racetracks, you'd established such a career at Unity. Uh, how did you feel when you walked into a, a new place? Did people know you? Did your reputation precede you? Goddamn small. Small? Small, yeah. Because oh. you didn't know anybody. You didn't know who your competition would be or who's this guy you better stay away from or, you know. Mm. So you're pretty small. David, how about uh, Ellsworth and Cherryfield? You ran there. Cherryfield, they paid you to leave the car on the trailer. Such a threat to win every week. Yeah. (laughs) At some point, uh, they finally just said, leave your car on the trailer, we'll give you the money. 
is no this race. the is this the promoter or is this a few competitors that wanted to win? This was the, this was the promoter from Cherryfield. Wow. I don't know. I, I get around to those places, but your day is so rushing. Really? You know, you get the kind of monitor ready to go, get on trail and get everything done, and then you head for Cherryfield. I didn't know where the hell it was. Yeah. <laughs> Most people still don't. A, put a <laughs> scarf over your face because it, it was so dirty that you had a hard time breathing and you couldn't see. The rocks were so hey, bad. No. Wow. And, and then Machias, you ran at Machias one time. You told me that was about the the dirtiest place that you ever ran. The dust clouds, it was Yeah, like you couldn't see nobody. Couldn't mm. see anything. No, you couldn't rush to nobody. couldn't see him. How, how could you run down the back stretch then? I don't know. A lot of those tracks were dusty, and I'd listen to my father and those guys joke when it was dusty at Unity, and they'd say, count six light poles and turn left. <laughs> there, you there you go. Let's get to uh, them paving Unity. You've obviously done very well on, on, on the dirt. Then you hear they're going to pave the thing. What, what is the first thought that goes through your head? I ain't going to run that no more. <laughs> no? You don't want to run it, but you eventually do. And what, is, what does it take to figure out the asphalt? You were good right off in that six-cylinder coupe. I mean, it was like... I don't, I don't know, know, but you gained strength rather than lost it as far as that went. I really don't know what I had that was working or not working, but I guess as you get used to it, you know, you get a, a push getting off this corner, or, you know, and then you start figuring it out. And then you go too far. And when you get too far, you're in danger. <laughs> and you come back a little bit. Oh, That'd man. be about it, too. If I show you this picture of you and, and there's a young lady in this photo, tell me about that. So, that's her. Uh, that I had one thing in mind. Okay, so tell me about that race. <laughs> I don't even remember. Sorry, you don't remember the race. That's fine. You win the race. You're in victory lane. And what do you see? Probably her. Rita has told the story a number of times. When I had to uh, present the trophy to Dave, he said, oh my God, look at the leg on that girl. <laughs> what a thought. What did you think when you saw him? Well, he had been my hero since I was she, 14. She had down <laughs> oh. So you were excited to meet him in Victory Lane. Is this the yes. first time that you guys had ever seen each other? Ever see each other, right. yeah. Um, I, so he... Um, accepted the trophy from me okay however as i was passing it to him he picked me up and he carried me away and he said i have my trophy boys right on the microphone Son of a bitch, eh? i have my trophy boys yeah so 51 and a half years now so you guys kissed at victory lane and you've been a couple ever since those 51 years yep that's simply amazing he's still my hero All right, if you thought that was entertaining, get ready for a stage number two. Oh, I had to get up and stand in a puddle of water. <laughs> Take my feet were burn off the mat. So they had to reach that. I climbed over that mat and stood in that water. Oh. They couldn't believe it. So in the middle of the race, let me just, again, paint the picture. Your feet are hot. You're racing in Florida. Yeah. You find a puddle. Yes. Yeah. And then you just get out and... Get out and... Oh, took my foot and then did that. Remember to rate and review. Follow us on social media. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Main Vintage Race Car Association on Facebook. And Instagram. That's Main Vintage Race on Instagram. Number of different ways to stay connected socially. And we'll catch you next time on the Open Trailer Podcast. See ya.